Welcome to Grid Talk. My name is Ruby Price and today we're here to discuss qualifying for the United States Grand Prix. Joining me today we have Formula Talk host Sophia Richmond. Hi! And from Grip Strip Podcast, Phil Matthew. Good evening. Before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and car games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And also be sure to follow us on our brand new socials at Grid Talk UK to stay up to date with the show. So another race week, another sprint weekend, and we're here on a Friday night in the UK analysing qualifying results. Do not adjust your sets but there is no Red Bull car in the top five. What happened? We'll get to that later. But for now, what you need to know is that Charles Leclerc is on pole position for Sunday's Grand Prix. But getting down to it, starting with Williams, Sophia, homeboy Logan Sargent was knocked out in Q1 once again, resulting in a P20, with his teammate Alex Albon qualifying for Sunday's race in P18. A tricky day for the Williams drivers, who haven't often had a double elimination in Q1 this season. Tell me about their qualifying and what can they do from 18 and 20 on Sunday? Not a lot, in all honestly. Alex had some good opportunities being in the top 10 in the in Q1. There was multiple chances. We've seen Alex definitely getting into Q2 quite consistently compared, obviously, to Logan, who I think has only reached Q2 once, maybe even twice, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I This is second out of the three home races for Logan Sargent. Maybe third time is going to be a charm, and maybe he will get into Q2. Who knows? Maybe even Q3. That might be my bold prediction in Las Vegas. For Williams, it's just it just wasn't the day. They're, how the car is set up as well, Coda's not a favorite to their type of car. So we definitely knew that they were going to be like quite low. I wasn't expecting it to be both of them being out into Q1. As you mentioned, they've not had a double Q1 elimination for a while. So for them, I think... It also depends on how sprint race goes on Saturday because that also tire management and tire allocations are going to be probably a key thing throughout this weekend. Obviously, we did see it in Qatar as well. Obviously, there won't be any kind of harsh limits for pitting and all that. However, we'll see. I would like, I think points, absolutely not. I think it's just definitely going to be more keeping their head down. Hopefully, Logan will finish a race. But that's the best, I think, outcome for Williams is to keep their head down, not make some stupid mistakes and have a good race. Yeah, absolutely. Not having a bad race, just if they can get both drivers to finish, I think they're likely to maybe have at least one driver potentially challenging for points. It all depends, as you say, on how well they are able to get their car managing that first sector, considering we are in Park Ferme now. They can't make that many changes to their 
cars even with another qualifying and an actual race session between now and Sunday. But Phil, the Aston Martin team have brought upgrades to their floor this weekend, but with a P19 for Lance Stroll and a P17 for Fernando Alonso, who described his Q1 lap as a good lap in the post-session press interviews. Their McLaren rivals are starting up in their top 10. How badly do Aston Martin need a good result on Sunday? And is it likely? I think Fred was trying to bite his lip. It was He was doing everything in his power to not go do his usual off-script work, which must be with his older age now and being the wily, quote, wily veteran, end quote, because it took everything in his power to not say his like GP2 engine level kind of comments because that was a bad session for them across the board. Fernando said he had a good lap, but you know, I think Logan probably thought he had a good lap too, and he was seven tenths off the pole or whatever he was. They brought an upgrade on a sprint weekend, and he basically was making a veiled reference that it probably wasn't a good idea. They've been behind the eight ball for the last few races. McLaren, of course, with the magic that has come since Silverstone, now all of a sudden is theoretically, depending on the weekend, the second best car. The chances of them scoring points, it'll be all on Fernando if there will be any points. The fact that Lance actually kept it clean is a bonus. They He had issues in the single practice session, so that basically put a ruin to anything he was going to do i don't there's not very high expectations he didn't have so you could just get the read based on fernando's comments and based on his comments i don't think he's expecting much of anything he's hoping that tomorrow being a new day and they have some data to work with that the sprint day will be better but i don't think race day is gonna provide much of anything to them keeping it like what Sophia was saying for Williams keeping it clean because we're on the first of three weekends in a row is to a premium here because parts and all that are limited with the cost caps and everything so if you go and bin something in this three race period it's going to be much more difficult to get through the other races It definitely is. And of course, you mentioned keeping it clean. It was here, of course, that Stroll and Alonso came together on that mammoth back straight last season, which resulted in quite a lot of debris and ultimately was one of the reasons that spiced up last uh, season's US Grand Prix at Dakota. But Sophia, another team who brought upgrades to a sprint weekend, we can talk about whether that's a good idea at some point or not. But F1's resident American outfit has brought their upgrades to their home race and yet deleted lap times, cost Hulkenberg, who qualified P16 in the end, and K-Mag just didn't seem to have the pace in Q2 to get into Q3. But could they have had a better day today? What do you think they can do on Sunday? Oh, 100%. And was fighting in like the top six a few times. He was doing quite well into free practice. I think they just got so unlucky, especially Nico, with the track limits. And track limits, we're going to mention a few times because there's other drivers that have had issues with that and just like track timing in general, going too slow on the off laps. But I was expecting more from Haas. But 
as you mentioned about the upgrades, I find that so stupid. I understand because it's the start of a triple header. However, it is also a sprint. So they only have one practice session to get it right. One hour to test if the upgrades actually work before they go into park ferme. I would have assumed to maybe do it in Mexico and see from there because that gives them not enough data, especially these upgrades are potentially one of the bigger upgrades that they are putting through. This is the crucial time where Haas needs to get like together and make sure that they're delivering. So right now they don't have enough data, I don't think. Right now, I think a lot of it will be speculating. However, at, on the flip side, using upgrades this week, we can see how they are before full races as well with the sprint. So there is obviously silver linings to how when to implement upgrades. I see the reasoning for both. I just find it not the best, maybe, given it's also quite late into the season for it. With that as well, with the triple header as well, there's always so much uncertainty as well, because if the upgrades don't work, we are away from the factories as well. So trying to get the parts, God forbid if there's any issues as well that happen in the sprint and they have to have replacement parts for the upgrades, they could get some penalties and some fines as well if they don't have backups for it. We'll see. But for their qualifying, I was expecting both of them into Q2. KMAG has been consistently doing quite well to, uh, this week. Um, has been quite delivering, outperforming Nico a few times in qualifying at the moment. I think they're quite tied right now in the driver head-to-head at the moment. But yeah, I was expecting a lot. We'll see how it looks in sprint shootout because I think maybe they might perform better in the sprint shootout and the sprint than obviously they would with the actual race, which seems to be the case for Haas's in general. So we'll see. Unfortunately, track limits, but FIA is actually being very quick in their decisions for the first time ever as well, which obviously we have not seen any post-race issues or any mentions of post-race penalties to an extent surrounding track limits. So at least the FIA got track limits right for this qualifying session. Just waiting for the notification now to say, oh, someone... Don't jinx it! Don't jinx it! (laughs) You're the one that said we haven't had any. But uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely worth mentioning track limits. And of course, the next team we're going to talk about, Phil, Daniel Ricciardo, on his return to F1 after obviously his break due to his injury, Track limits cost him again, and he's P15 in Q2. His teammate, one thousandth of a second quicker than Guan Yu Zhou. Tightest of margins at the front of Q2's elimination sector, and at the back, just the tightest of margins costing drivers at the back of Q2's elimination sector. What do you think AlphaTauri can do, to, not tomorrow, of course, because that's the sprint, from where they are, any chance of points? What can Danny Ricardo do from here as well? Danny Rick loves it in the United States and Austin, likes riding horses and everything. Of course, he has to do that gingerly uh, with his wrist injury. But um, coming back to drive this weekend, it's a very difficult circuit to come back in. Granted, we see what happened at Qatar. It would have been really bad, but not having a lot of time, actual seat time with the only one practice probably hurt him a little bit yeah the track limits also probably didn't uh, do any better but we i think the alpha tories have shown a little bit more pace i think with the sprint session that it he will keep getting more comfortable in the car i think we'll see the best out of daniel by sunday you can overtake 
at Coda. So the chances are, I think he can at least with the right strategy timings with if a safety car or VSC comes out, maybe he can sneak up there. Sonoda's right there. So he's in the mix. The other alphas are also up there so that they're always flirting with the borderline of points. You have the Alpines we'll mention later and Perez, Piastri, etc. So I think that they're on the periphery there to get a point and they're in the mix right now trying to get up there, trying to get themselves out of the bottom of the uh, constructors table. But when you're talking about one or two points, that's not enough. They're going to need more than that. That's not going to likely be in the cards. I think that we have to look at Mexico next week and more like Brazil once we get to the where we're at these last few races of the season where if power unit issues start coming into play and some of the other um, aerodynamic parts but we'll see what happens I think Yuki has definitely shown himself to be uh, much more steady this year so I think he definitely has a chance to sneak a point yeah absolutely this 2023 model Alpha Tauri very much suiting Yuki Sonoda, at the very least, the, the AlphaTauri teammate, it did recently suit Liam Lawson, but Daniel Ricciardo obviously coming back now as the contracted driver. But Sophia, like I say, just behind Yuki Sonoda, but ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, the Alpha Romeos, Valtteri Bottas P13, Guan Yu Zhou P12, a solid hole of points last time out. Do you think with the positions that they're starting and their recent pace, are points possible in the U.S. for Alfa Romeo? I think it's possible for maybe one. Maybe both might be pushing it a little bit too much. But even though qualifying was very quiet, I didn't hear any kind of mention even in Q1 or in Q2 as well. Most of the time, the only time that they were mentioned on TV was when they were at risk and trying to push out. But obviously that's the case that's been most qualifying when it comes to the Alphas. But yeah, I think definitely... I would say probably Bottas over Joe, I think potentially might have the upper edge, obviously given he has more experience within this track and has been up in the grid, a lot higher in the grid for it. But I definitely do think it is possible. They have been performing quite well recently. And I think, yeah, definitely. I think it's, yeah, he also has won won a race here. So he definitely has the most qualifications over his teammate for this upcoming race on Sunday. So yeah, definitely. I think points I'm, would back Bottas over Joe, but it's a good it's good qualifying for them. I've said on multiple kind of good talk shows, like Alpha's the ones that you just want to be consistent and get being the slow points earner sometimes as well. And I think that's what the team needs. They don't need to do any kind of risky overtakes, risky moves, just have their head down, feet on, and just race. And that's what they've been doing throughout the season so far, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Not quite a top 10 team so far this season, but certainly have shown themselves to be there every now and then. And before we actually get to the top five teams, let's talk about the top 
five stars. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, I was rather proud of that seg. Uh, But if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So let's look now at the top five teams. We've tackled the top five stars, Grid Talk obviously being one of them, myself being another. But Phil, looking at McLaren then, sort of opposite sides of the top 10, ultimately a very close qualifying session in the end. So that's obviously something to bear in mind. But Oscar Piastri starting P10, his teammate Lando Norris, P2, just a few, how many was it? A few, barely a tenth and a bit off Leclerc at the front. I will actually get a proper figure at some point rather than a bit. But what do McLaren do from here then in terms of their race on Sunday? Do they obviously prioritise Lando Norris still chasing his first win? Do they put their strategy around getting Piastri up as far as he can and closing that gap to Aston Martin and potentially Ferrari and the constructors? I think right now it's all eyes on Lando to try and get the maiden Formula One victory, as a, at least with what's taken place today, Ruby. But I know also for Oscar, it's been a struggle with the qualifying most of the season, even though the numbers show that it isn't as far, the battle isn't that far off. Oscar has shown more on race pace throughout the season than he has on qualifying. It didn't seem like he was it was connected for him today, but it's fine. I think... Ricardo Piastri will pick up as the weekend goes on and but for Lando I think this is an opportunity going against one of his BFFs on the front row in Charlie Claire trying to go and get that first victory holding off the chosen one and all that but for Piastri to go and maximize points and the constructors are trying to go and get past Aston Martin and then also compete with Ferrari that's i think the key that's really what the battle is we'll see what happens in the race itself tire deg is going to be huge the temperatures are very high and dry conditions plus high deg and then the roughness of the surface at coda we'll see how that works with the mclaren as the weekend goes on but lando definitely has a good shot this weekend piastri is going to have to battle to move himself up through the bottom half of the top 10 there to try and sneak a top six finish which i think is probably is the maximum that he's probably going to get yeah absolutely and definitely right to mention the track surface at kota is very rough and abrasive and we've seen just how much of a difference between this old soft and new soft tire compounds was how that's going to play out in terms of strategy over this whole sprint weekend where tire allocations ends up being a completely different priority to a standard race weekend, something that's very uncharted territory almost with only one hour's worth of running and teams obviously not getting that full hour necessarily. But yeah, Sophia, if we look at the next team, like I said at the start of this show, a little bit confusing if you've just been following the whole pattern of the story. But I think one highlight, of course, of qualifying is that even with his teammate being angry about being in his wake and also having a track time deleted, Sergio Perez is 
still behind Max Verstappen in qualifying. But P9 for Sergio Perez, P6 for the world champion-elect Max Verstappen. Just what happened to Red Bull today? What Was there something wrong with the car? Or is it the driver? Or is it track limits? Is the problem track limits, Sophia? God, nothing, half of it, nothing's changed. Perez is still behind Max and not performing well in qualifying. That is still the case for it. I think with Max's one, like watching it back and like the radio that Max had about his teammate, I don't understand why he was complaining about it because of saying that it was his way, but he didn't, he wasn't offline. He, it looked like he was either under or oversteer into that last corner. It didn't seem like there was any fault of Perez with the track limits. That last one kind of did my head because he was purple in the first sector, then yellow in the second sector, and then obviously he went wide, but he was still technically P1. And then, but obviously we knew that track limits would take place, but I just don't understand how he is that fast when he is from purple to yellow to like potentially, I, I think it was purple again as well. He is a great driver, don't get me wrong. We He's proven that now winning the championship and everything and winning his third title. I just don't understand how why it's so different between him and Checo. Obviously, the car is more suited a bit more to Max, but I feel like that should still not make as much of a difference to why there's such a big gap. This gap between P9 and P6 is probably what we wanted up at the top, in the top five between both of the Red Bulls, not down in the bottom half of the top 10. It's a tall stack for Max to win for P6. He's done it before, so it is possible. Um, When it comes to Paris's performance, I'm not expecting much, and that's just how it's been this whole season where he's just not performing well. I think, could he be in the points? Tricky. I would say maybe he'll be on the borderline cusp, which that's not what you want for a Red Bull, who has won Constructors now, won the championship like his teammate. He is on the fence. It's been in the media all this time as well about Checo, what's happening. Obviously, there's rumors about if he doesn't perform well or doesn't finish second in the drivers, Daniel Ricciardo is going to take a seat. Not sure if that's confirmed or whatever. It's just obviously silly season still ongoing. But he's not performing well. Even if you compare it to Checo last season as well, he was performing better than this season, but still not performing where a number two or just even a teammate should be. And so we'll see. But, I mean, it is Max going, he, like I said, Ben P6 is one. It's not a tall stack for him. I think it's probably consistent. I would say probably towards the half end other races when he will be up in like P1, P2. I won't think it's going to be straight away because I think there's going to be a lot of good battles happening. But I do think that they will push harder for the sprint now as well. Um, and who knows, maybe Red Bull might have both of them in the top five for the sprint. Um, we'll see how it goes for the shootout tomorrow and for the sprint in general as well. But we'll see. I just, some of it's usual Perez being behind Max, but I yeah, Max coming into P6 is something you don't see every day. You certainly don't. Maybe it's something that generally just happens when we have qualifying on a Friday. It throws up the order. It throws up the schedule. Who knows, really? But this is two years in a row that Verstappen has had issues at Qatar. Maybe Red Bull just don't... Did I say Qatar? Kota. It's it's almost the same. It's too late. Second year in a row that Max has had an issue at 
Kota, which has impacted where he's ended up on the racetrack at one point or another. But Phil, moving on to a team who have just got a big boost in cash and investors, Alpine, and a boost in performance, seemingly, despite obviously having their request by the FIA to get a little bit of a boost in engine power. But P8 for Esteban Ocon, P7 for Pierre Gasly. Where has this come from Alpine? And is this where Alpine should have really been the whole season based on how they've liked to talk this season? I don't know. I think it's maybe all the Swifty stuff and wearing all the Travis Kelsey jerseys and and Patrick Mahomes and all the other references that we have to investors since they have 72,000 investors now at Alpine. Um, That might have something to do with it. The American vibes, maybe Ocon and and Gasly like uh, Texas barbecue. I don't know. I, who knows? Maybe the team is a little more motivated this week because they probably got five more bucks in their checks. But to be fair, this is they, theoretically they've been in this kind of realm. They've been in the eighth to twelfth realm all year. The fact that both of them made it into Q three and were very close to each other is not that surprising in that they're a very equal driver pairing. Having both of them make it in and not have a problem, granted it's not a race yet, so we already have two more races to go this weekend, so that's when Alpine will really truly show itself, and Kelsey and Mahomes and all these other people can't fix the power unit. But credit to them to get both of them in qualifying. This is a balanced circuit, a little bit of everything, which is where I think Alpine can go and show uh, their strengths. Does it mean that they're going to be up in the top five? Doubtful. They're in a position where they're in no man's land. They can do whatever they want. Score points, getting a double point finish this weekend is possible, but you need to get both cars over there. And that's, I think, the biggest factor, looking at what they need to do for next year so that they're not, they're actually in the mix with other customer or not customer but like other teams within their tier which was mclaren and then aston martin is their goal it's a good story that they both are in we'll see what they do tomorrow i think that will be a greater uh, indicator of what their likely scenario will be on sunday if they can repeat this in the sprint qualifying shootout thingy and then also the sprint itself yeah, absolutely. As you say, no points are handed out on a Friday. Remember when we used to say that about Saturdays and then they decided to start giving out points on Saturdays instead? Now I'm just waiting for some form of points to be handed out on Fridays in the near future. Maybe from 2026, who knows? But Sophia, let's look at Mercedes then. So George Russell, P5, Lewis Hamilton, P3. Of course, last time out, they did come together at turn one last season at Cota in the race. George Russell took out a car at turn one. I don't know if you can pick up the pattern that I'm implying may or may not happen here. But ultimately, two tenths between the Mercedes. Is that gap going to get too smaller this weekend in turn one in the sense that both drivers are going to be occupying the same piece of tarmac for a bit or are Mercedes now that the boss is back and they've had their week and a bit of all the media reporting on Mercedes rivalries how are Mercedes going to perform on Sunday do you think they do seem to go well around at least the second half of this circuit (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, 
Mercedes did say that they were going to come competitively and even Red Bull mentioned it as well and I was still skeptical but obviously they have proven me wrong for it. Uh, George is behind Lewis in the race so it's going to be interesting to see if, who gets faster off the line and I think that will determine how we'll go into turn one. I think because of the incident that happened I think both of them are going to play it more safe and just support each other. I think the main focus is to battle to get the, these constructive points because they are close battles with some of these te- these other teams. And I think that's now their main focus. Obviously, they would like to be higher in the Drivers' Championship 100%, but the Constructors' Championship, I think, is where they want to focus more. So I would say if I was Toto, I would be like, just keep your head down. Don't make any stupid mistakes. And I think that's probably what is really realistically going to happen. However, when it comes to the sprint... That's going to be a different kind of scenario. I think it's going to be chaotic for Mercedes, but that's just because I want some kind of chaos as well, Akota. Um, Hamilton loves this track. He has had podiums every year besides 2013, where he finished fourth. So it is possible that he will probably start w- finish where he started. I think it's definitely going to be quite realistic for it. I think George will have some really good opportunities to also be close in contention with the podium. I do definitely think both teams would point 100% if people don't do something stupid. I think if anything was to happen, it wouldn't be their fault. I think it would be somebody else's fault. Obviously, you have George with Max on the same row. That should be interesting to see. You obviously have Science ahead with Hamilton, and then obviously Charles and Norris in the top spot. So we'll see. It's a good first three rows for the start of race on Sunday. So I'm excited to see, but... Yeah, as long as Mercedes keeps their heads down, it's been a good qualifying for them. Obviously, George was caught out for track limits, so he only had one opportunity to get a lap in for this Q3. And I think the fact that he put it into P5, that is a great feat because I think his time post pre-track limits got deleted was aiming for P6. So the fact that even though it did get deleted, he still performed better. So I think that was quite a good thing to see for George. But yeah, I'm expecting bigger things maybe for a sprint. Who knows? I Could be the same positions, if not maybe both of them in the top three. It definitely seems possible, I think. And I think Red Bull should be a bit scared as well. Here's a follow-up question. Do you think George Russell will also be two thousandths of a second quicker than Verstappen in qualifying in the sprint tomorrow? <laughs> Probably not. In all honesty, I think Max will try to not do track limits and be in contention for pole. I think George, I think it's just going to be close still. I think there will be some drivers that will be very close to each other. Even Hamilton and Norris were quite close to each other as well. Uh, Not as close, obviously, from Russell and Max, but it's a quite small gap within the top 10. So I'm expecting the same for tomorrow's Saturday's sprint shootout and qualifying for that and also for the sprint race as well. Yeah, a very close weekend is what we are certainly hoping for, especially after the 2023 F1 season that we've had, where not necessarily the whole season has been close. And in fact, some races have absolutely had quite a gap. But Phil, we can't not talk about Ferrari, who a team that I think quite a lot of us had written off earlier in this season have certainly put at least a, a good step forward over the last few races, certainly since Monza at the very least. Carlos Sainz, P4, Charles Leclerc, P1. 
the driver who's generally been the slower of the two Ferraris over the previous few weekends has put his name back on that top step for pole position. Carlos Sainz obviously being quicker in Q1 and then Leclerc just seemingly having a handle on his teammate for the final two sectors. How First of all, how happy will Ferrari be to obviously get a pole considering it was a little bit handed to them thanks to track limits but ultimately you've got to get your lap in and it's max's fault for going out of the track limits for how good was this for ferrari today and will their jubilance continue this weekend i think for charlie wants to carry this out and get a win this year knowing that the smooth operator has one on him in that sense you getting the pole here at Coda. He's Mr. Uh, Sprint Weekend this because he's been doing great work all year doing that and qualifying. I would uh, getting one up on on Carlos. Big props to Charles there. And it's going to be a good battle between him and one of his BFFs in Lando Norris. And it also, you, we have to see what he does. He's always, we know that Charles Leclerc is very fast and he's fast on one lap, but can he put a race together and a track, which is a, which adds a lot of different characteristics. It's a difficult uh, track to put in a race to put together at Coda. So can he, can they actually, can Ferrari itself put this race together? That's the question that I see. And then can Charles not make a mistake? In a lot of ways, he reminds me of Pecco Bagnaia, the current MotoGP world champion, in that he has ultimate pace, but then he's liable to make an insane mistake. And he's well-loved, too, by the people that he races for, too. I think Carlos is going to be up there all day, top five, definitely. And it makes that battle for McLaren even tougher to try and get up there to try and overtake Ferrari because they're fighting two against one. Uh, Lando versus Carlos and Leclerc, but I think we'll see what how they handle Verstappen when he's coming up there. Uh, but today, with the football themed helmet and his 100th Grand Prix for Ferrari, no less, and American football, which he even said made no sense, but I liked it. It was cool. Uh, gets a, a poll and um, gets to celebrate, and we'll see what they do tomorrow. I'm curious as to how uh, they will do in this sprint qualifying and that race itself to see where the tire deg holds for the Ferrari duo. Yeah, absolutely. So we've gone through the grid from today's qualifying session. Let's look ahead. Let's make some predictions for Sunday. So, Sophia, who do you think is going to obviously be on the podium? Who takes your win and your P2 and P3? I might just go with the safe answer, and I think Max will take P1. It's just statistically he has been performed well from different positions on the grid, so I think he will take it, but I think it won't be straight away. P2, I think Lando. I would like to see his fourth podium in a row. I think that will be quite good. I, I don't think he would win, which really sticks me to say as a McLaren fan, but I think it's just... There's just something missing. This there's something that needs to switch on. And then P three. Um, let's go with. I'll I'll be basic. Let's do Hamilton. Let's keep the tradition alive to keep him on having a podium for all his races, but one at Coda. 
So no Ferraris then as well. No Ferraris on the podium for Sofia. I don't trust the strategies. I, I honestly, the only reason why they did well last week is because Carlos was one doing some of the calls, I think. I honestly stand by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's Ferrari strategy. It's that much of a meme. Phil, your podium prediction, please, for Sunday. The Grover stop in P1. I'll say that Lewis ends up P2. And third will be Leclerc with the battle with Lando. Will He'll end up falling short of that podium. Very interesting indeed. Two very similar but slightly different podium predictions there. But not quite so bold. Now, Sophia, your bold prediction, something a little bit spicy, something statistically going to happen really. But give us your bold prediction for Sunday. I got two at the top of my head. I'll take the non-safer one, and I would say both alphas into the points. I think it'll be probably P9, P10, but... Which alphas? We have two. Alfa Romeo, yeah, Joe and Bottas. Ah, uh, those Oh, alphas. not alpha. sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe and Bottas, leaning on to what I said earlier in the episode, how I yeah. think one of them can definitely get points. I'm going to say bold and say both of them will get points. No, AlphaTauri, I'm not even engaging into that conversation between Yuki and Daniel Ricciardo. Sorry. Would certainly be something. Phil, your bold prediction, please. I always do this because I'm trying to harken back to George's deal with George Russell. The problem is Lando just or not, Logan just does not have that same level of energy as old Georgie boy did. And it took him a while, but it finally happened. I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. So I can't go there. Bold prediction is, and this is bold because of how much I, how great I talk about Hass. I'm going to say that Nico Hulkenberg finishes in the top six. Wow. That is bold. It's those bold great, because I know there's work, if that's the scenario. <laughs> That's the, it's bold, and I'm no, I'm not. I have not had any alcoholic beverages. I'm been clean for a few months, so that there's no substances involved in that prediction. <laughs> wow, Phil, yeah, nice and bold there from both of you. But now let's give you guys a chance to do some self promo or some promo or just whatever it is you want to promote. But Sophia, you come to us from our sister show, Formula Talk, and also you do some stuff involved with EF1. Go for it. What do you want to tell us about today? Yeah, so as mentioned, I do work with everything F1. I mostly do articles surrounding F2, F3 feeder series. Obviously, F1 Academy is at CODA this weekend, so there'll be some articles discussing about that, which also leads into my other piece of work, which obviously is our sister show, which is Formula Talk, hosted by myself and Tom Downey and a few special guests throughout the seasons. We talk about all feeder series, so we just released our preview for the F1 Academy final round started taking place at Coda. We'll have a review show coming up after this race weekend and discuss also the Formula 3 Championship. So you can find Formula Talk where you find Grid Talk. And then if you want to see my work for Everything F1, it's on www.everythingf1.com or you can find us on socials at joinef one Absolutely. Go and check it out. And Phil, you come to us from the Grip Strip podcast do you want to plug that? Do you want to plug anything else? Let us know. Let's take it away. 
I'll I'll uh, promote the Grip Strip podcast where this week was episode 191. We uh, talked about uh, all the events. We previewed the U.S. Grand Prix. Uh, when it's usual suspects that way, I went a little deviated off of my predictions uh, from what I said earlier this week to um, now. But uh, myself and Josh, a fine former uh, guest on this show or panelist, we talk about all things racing. I say as long as it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast. And we'll be around next weekend, close to 200 episodes, uh, go over the U.S. Grand Prix. We're in this three-week run, so previewing Mexico. We'll talk about the NASCAR playoffs coming down to the end there. There's other news that has come out in regards to this Indy Next, including Jamie Chadwick, who will be coming back uh, next year for a second year at Andretti Global. The team that we probably going to be talking about here more on this show too you can find us at grip strip pod on twitter you can find the show at philipgmatthew.com my blog site and on youtube at grip strip podcast and thanks ruby for all the great work knowing that it's very late and sophia also and of course for aiden at whatever time it is credit to you that you do this credit to all of you love being on here on the grid talk podcast Thank you, Phil. And as always, it is nice having you on. And it's not just about us when it ends up being 12 o'clock when we're recording our shows, you being in the US and being involved and Aiden being involved in completely different time zones to me and Sophia it is, of course, appreciated every single time. And if people want to find me on the socials, I am at rubes001 on Instagram and threads because i am one of those people who is actively using threads and you can find me on youtube at ruby price but grid talk is available on youtube where most episodes are recorded live it's late we'll do a little bit of a post show just obviously to go through some comments and stuff like that but you can also catch grid talk on amazon fire spotify google podcasts apple music verbal and pocket casts just search formula one grid talk for our huge back catalog of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results please consider supporting the channel on patreon so we can get mics lights and better recording equipment and also make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released we'll be back soon with plenty of more f1 content tomorrow it's the sprint thank you very much for listening to the grid talk podcast presented by bet online and goodbye